Welcome everybody, this is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a movie this week. This week we are covering The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy, written by Elizabeth Kendall. Let's go! Uh, this book is the memoir of Elizabeth Kendall, the girlfriend of Ted Bundy throughout parts of his um, crime spree, I shall say. But I want to make it clear right up front that we are not going to be covering the crimes of Ted Bundy, that this is going to be really covering her point of view through her book and about the relationship. Because uh, you can find the stuff about Ted Bundy anywhere. Right. Uh, every, if you want, there, there are great documentaries. I'll probably mention that kind of stuff. Well, the most moments, recent one but... is the Zac Efron one, yeah? Yes. So, and that's, and that's, so that's what I did this week. I watched the, uh, the Zac Efron Netflix film, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. It was just released this week. Odd movie. I enjoyed it, but it seems so odd. It's kind of like being gaslit the whole time. I don't know, but but maybe maybe we should talk about it in the context of the in book. In context yeah. of the so book. So I read the yes. book, The Phantom Prince. Tell me what The Phantom Prince is. Because we looked at the Netflix thing that's coming out. And then it said, oh, this is based on the book, The Phantom Prince. Yeah, and, and it turns out uh, the memoir, The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy by Elizabeth Kendall, is not available anywhere at all, almost. If you look it up on Amazon, uh, you could get a hardcover for a cool $500, and it goes That's up from the cheapest. <laughs> That's the cheapest. Two new from 566 Six used from 515 Now, this one is the gold taker. This one is the hardcover, $2,012.96. Because it must have just been printed five cop those are the only copies that are printed and now it's out of print so it is near impossible to get a copy of this book how we did i get a copy yeah, we won't be mentioning how we obtained a copy of this book uh but uh you know do your research <laughs> yes yeah so i just wanted to be clear out of the gate that this is not we're not going to be covering the gruesomeness really. glorifying it yeah. in any way no yeah. that's that's not going to be in this so don't we don't want to lead you down a path thinking that we're doing a ted bundy thing and you being excited about that or displeased about that because it's neither really also this is the book that i read is from her perspective and i read it once and took some notes on it and there's countless detectives and law enforcement agencies that have gone through all of ted bundy's life and history and whatever so i might misconstrue a few dates right. or a few incidents yeah and we are not experts like um you know like he said we're we're not we're not the detectives i didn't write a book i didn't make a movie about this like <laughs> but um, you're gonna learn a lot yeah it was incredible to learn about the relationship and the perspective of elizabeth kendall which i will say is not her real name what in all of the media talking about her they use alternate names and pseudonyms, and for her kid, they use different names. So for this book, her oh, name yeah. is Elizabeth Kendall, that and her daughter's sense. name is Tina. And that's what we're going to go by, because and, that's what I read. And because she's not involved in any of the crimes, her name is never disclosed. She's not, listed as, she's yeah. not even listed as the girlfriend right. in the trial and in the cases and whatnot. So that, that makes sense why she's like pretty much totally anonymous. Yeah. Wow. And now she remains. I mean, I think we know her name now. But. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I bet, I bet that's out there somewhere. But and, and 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 they kept that in the film as well. That's they used her name. So or Elizabeth Kendall as the name. So yeah. I don't know. I'll hand it off to you, Taylor. Here's what I read: The Phantom Prince. Sort of a creepy title. I will start by saying I knew nothing. I'm not into serial killers and crimes and murder and all of that stuff. So I knew nothing about Ted Bundy going into this book. Most people listening no, had some faint inkling. I just knew, things. oh, Ted Bundy's a serial killer, but I didn't know anything about his life. So reading this and not knowing anything, but also knowing that is kind of like opening the book and seeing that there's a hurricane on the horizon and something is about to happen. And you can, and, and knowing that there is an end game there, you, uh, I imagine at some points could be looking for like, mm -hmm. is that, is that a, is that a clue? Is that a, you know, and, and maybe you're making the something out of nothing, or maybe you're hitting it on the head, but because we're not totally familiar with it. We don't but I felt a that. great sense of empathy for her because I'm almost with her along with it. Cause I don't yeah. know, just the same yeah. way that in 1969 and she meets him, she doesn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about him either. Right. So I'm tracking right along with her. She moved to Seattle in 
1969. She uh, was 24 years old. She left Utah. She dated this guy Ben in high school and college, broke up with him, and then was with this guy Jim, and they had a kid, hmm. and then got divorced. So now she has this two-year-old daughter, oh, Tina. Okay. So that's where she's coming out of. She wants to get out of there, wants to get out of her old life, all the problems and struggles and relationship situations that went on there. So she says, I'm going to move to Seattle hmm. with her friend Angie. So she's not completely alone. Right. She's got a friend Angie with her, which I don't know if that's a pseudonym, but that's her friend Angie. Yeah. Is that in the movie at all? It is. This uh, The movie picks up just about, uh, I think it's her and Angie in a bar and and it's basically you get the idea that she's she's new and uh ted is in this bar and Mm -hmm. and her friend notices that he's kind of been staring at her all night and so naturally they con you know they kind of like congregate together Mm -hmm. and they end up at the jukebox and he's suave and you know he makes a joke about quarters and you know it just kind of goes on they dance and then he goes home and it, and it's kind of off from there. And you, as when they get home, it's a big thing. Is that's when they reveal that she is a single mother. So mm-hmm. uh, the babysitter leaves, like kind of awkwardly as they are approaching. And so, and, like she has the whole thing of like, I understand if if you want to go, because uh, now the cat's out of the bag. Right. And he's and he's like, well, why would I want to do that? And it, and like touching, it, yeah, it, right. It, and it and it. it, it it also makes you angry because it's like he just knows what to say mm-hmm. it's like from her perspective that's exactly what she wants to hear mm-hmm. and I, so she so this is the start of their relationship all that's pretty spot on it might be cinematically enhanced but he stays there's no foolishness nothing goes on yeah um, pretty impressive actually and and, and it, it, it all kind of like leads you into this just allurement of just like this magical guy walking into this like look mm-hmm. he t- he goes home he doesn't make moves on her they just sleep in their clothes in bed and and she, her daughter yeah. is there and wakes up to breakfast yep and that's what he does and he cooks for him and she says in the book she says never in my life had i brought a man home from a bar also from her past relationship problems and a divorce and a kid, and she's self-conscious about that, and she wants to leave him be, and that was a one-time thing. And this was, she hadn't gone out to a bar with her friend Angie in a while since they had moved to Seattle. This was a one-time thing. She perceives him as being too classy. He's upper class. He's trying to become Mm. a lawyer. She's embarrassed about her life, and so she wants to leave him be. They bump into each other, and they get dinner together, and the start of this romance happens, and he is completely enamored by Tina, her kid, in a good way, mm-hmm. and supportive. Yeah. You're suspicious of, well, why is he so nice? But he continues to do that. They go to Vancouver for a weekend, and this is where he talks about, at a certain point in a relationship, you go into, well, what were your past relationships? Right. So he talks about this woman, Susan, when he lived in San Francisco, and you let bygones be bygones, and it didn't work out. Yeah. But he's a student, so he's going to become a he's going to become a law student in Seattle. That's what he tells her. That's what he's doing. He he has just little little touch points in the in the story. So she visits his room. He says he has a roommate, but it's this fern, this plant <laughs> that he has, which she thinks is funny because he named it Fern. And uh, at one point, she tells him, "Oh, we Tina and I went to play in Volunteer Park." He knows Seattle and knows the area. So he's like, well, don't, please don't go there. Mm. Like, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Come and get me if you want to go play with her in Volunteer Park. Because So already she's getting, there's no, I mean, there's no suspicion whatsoever. There's nothing, anything. Here's just this good guy who she is, she feels self-conscious to be around because he's going to become a lawyer. He wears fancy clothes. He knows people. He knows the area. He's protective of them. He's nice to Tina. He plans trips with them. He watches cartoons in the morning, cooks some breakfast. They do the arm and arm thing, she says, and Tina's like, swing me. And then her arm gets tired, so Ted just swings mm-hmm. her by himself, really getting involved in her life. They meet his parents in Tacoma. They go and have a trip and visit. Yeah. And uh, she realizes that he's actually poor, poorer than her family, not oh. completely poor. But uh, his parents are not doctors and lawyers and all of this that stuff. This isn't in the film. So then that happens, and that, that is a sort of a surprise to her. And then they have Christmas with her family, and he's talking to her dad, and he's cooking dinner with her mom, and really being involved in the family. 
this is where he brings up he he cries when he's talking about it with her because he is an illegitimate child and didn't know that of of his siblings mm. and his mom never told him and he found out through some other means and it really affects him personally yeah. and also the fact that he's really poor compared to her and so that's his insecurities yeah. which are revealed and he helps her get a new apartment closer to him but it's odd that they're not married yet to her because they're spending so much time together yeah. and he's basically raising her daughter yeah so they get the plans to have a marriage license and be together and he confronts her because she has insecurities about what her parents are going to think. And there's just a, some familial tensions. So he tears up the marriage license and says, well, this is done. Hmm. We're done with this. Um, at this point, she says, coming so close to losing Ted made me realize how very much I loved him. They get sort of back together again. The winter and spring quarter for the schooling comes and passes. What year are we in here? We are in Generally? 71. Okay. Yeah, they met in 69, and now this is 71. Cool. And so some time has passed. But it's off again on again. The winter and spring quarter comes and passes because he's supposed to be in school now. So he's making excuses about the transcripts and this and that because he was coming from Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. That's where he says he's coming from. And apparently he lied about the school happening because she calls because she's going to take it in her own hands. She's saying, well, what? this is absurd that their transcript, your transcripts are not coming through. They say, no, everybody starts in the fall. There's no there's no spring and summer quarters. That, so he had just lied, and it had been the full year because he had more schooling to take. And so this is the first, I wouldn't say suspicion, but he lied about mm. his life in a very significant way. Yeah. And I don't know if they have this in the movie, but she takes it upon herself as well because when they first met, she was just a secretary at the hosp at the mm -hmm. university hospital, and she lied and said she was a part of the laboratory department making heart valves to him when they met at the bar all that time ago. Hmm. And she never told him about that, but they joked about it because clearly he found out that she didn't do that, and it was a joke, and she's the secretary. Yeah. But uh, so she doesn't take it so strangely. She's like, well. I, I did the same thing because I was right. embarrassed about my station in life. Yeah. And so now he's done that That's too. That's interesting. I don't, I don't remember that in the film. I, uh, and that mm -hmm. feels like, you you know, I feel like, and that might be the, the shortcomings of the film ultimately is they do follow Ted because I'll, I mean, that's the pop culture thing. That's the yeah. eye. That's the spectacle. And that's the star they cast. But so it's, 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 I'm starting to get as much as I like, I quote, enjoyed the film, uh, I wish an element like that had been in it because you can see how it would deepen both. It would deepen a relationship. You would be like, oh, I can, I put myself in his shoes. I, I understand right. him human to human, how these things, I did the, you know, all those at the same time. What's actually happening? Right. Um, and three quarters of the book and their relationship is before any of the crazy murder serial killer stuff happens. Right. And that would be, you'd have to, I mean, you could make that movie where, three quarters of the story is them growing and building and the ups and downs of their relationship. And then right at the, but it seems like I haven't seen the movie, but it's just, this part is a montage at the beginning yeah. of their relationship. Yes. And he's yes. a good it, guy. It, almost exactly that. Oh. Yes. They, they almost exactly montage it in and 16 I didn't millimeter it. footage. Uh, and they start to, I, I, and I like the way they did it though. It was, um, they start to show you like the happy, um, the cliche, what you think of, just mm -hmm. like uh, nostalgia, Americana, 16 millimeter grainy footage. And, you, you know, it's got some sort of like nice theme under like, look at their happy life. And then very like abruptly interspersed in it is like the, the news reports of what's mm -hmm. happening during this time. Uh, and then taking you back to, it's so nice. And so and they're living this great life. And uh, another found dead. And they, uh, yeah. Um, so, but they gloss, it sounds like they just gloss over a ton of time. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because it's not like she's ever absent from the film. She's the total crux of the film, and she becomes the climax of the movie. It, like the the whole movie is building to the last scene between them. Mm -hmm. um, but I, all that stuff could have meant more if I would have felt either either the the tinges of this manipulation going on, it mm -hmm. be, being uh, proved positive, or. Ted struggling with something else or, or the, and, and, and that's long been prophesized that I guess that, that she is some sort of instigator or fuel for his crime spree. 
Um, I don't, yeah, and I don't know could, if that's necessarily could, founded right. in reality, but well, I will no, say, I mean, uh, but that, that's just a, that's, that's a thing that people prophesize throughout documentary. You know, that's just a theory that's widely, um, it's just widely yeah. talked well, we'll about, get back like, to, is it, is, is it not? And that's just so much of this thing is like what was really going on in his head because mm-hmm. he's just all over the place. So I will say, we'll get back to Susan, who I mentioned when they had their talk about past relationships, she'll come in later. And a lot of people might say she was the start of mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. craze. But the 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 push and pull and the securities and insecurities of each other and, like you said, the manipulations yeah. in a relationship, if he's not a serial killer or just in everybody's relationship, that's right. what and that, defines that's the relationship is like, the back and forth. I like the pair. It works on all those two different levels. And I think that would be really compelling. So I'm just interested in why they didn't do that. And because to her, obviously in this time, he's doing crazy stuff. But to her, it's the it's the back and forth of any, of any relationship right. of he's cold, he's distant, he's jealous. Right. I'm jealous. I want to get back at him. He wants to get back at me. We're not in touch. We are in touch, but he's out murdering people. Yeah. But it, you know, you, you can't, how, how in the world can you know that that's, that's a one in a trillion person that would yeah. do that? So it's a constant that back pull and it forth. Off. That can just look you in the face and really pull it off. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. So at a certain point she lies about, oh, well, I'm seeing other men because there's a, a span of time oh. where they're not really in touch. Oh, and he says, well, that's fine if you want to go out with other people, because secretly, this isn't in the book, but he is dating other women and doing other stuff and is infidelious, mm-hmm. if that's a word, to illiterate, um, to other people. But he says, yeah, that's that's fine. And so then she feels bad because she she's secretly, she's not actually going out with other men. Right. But so now she has to hold up that facade. Uh. So she goes out on a date with a guy and she sees him. Follow, like she, he's in the restaurant uh. because he followed them. And so then they have this huge fight and he breaks down later on and cries and says he was, he got so scared of seeing her with somebody else. And when they're 85 years old, they're going to laugh to their grandkids about yeah. how grandpa yeah. followed her to the restaurant. So that rekindles their relationship again because they took in a lot of, in that happens in a lot of relationships. It gets to a breaking point. And you take the test and kind of say, well, like, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be with each other. And then you see the person with somebody and you're like, oh no, they actually meant yeah. so much to me. That's the constant roller coaster of their relationship here. So now it's 1972. Her doctor tells her to go off of birth control. She gets pregnant and then ends up having an abortion oh. of clearly his kid. He's there constantly comforting her. He takes it very seriously. He's not absent from any of that stuff. He's now applied to other law schools and gets an acceptance to one in Salt Lake City and then has applied to five other ones. He rejects that one because that was his least favorite one. That was his fallback. But Always then, is. But then in Salt Lake City. <laughs> but then gets denied the rest of the law schools. So he gets rejected by all the other law schools. So now he has no law oh, school man. to go to because yeah. he got rid of the one that said yes. And then he gets nothing else. So now he has to work for another year until he can reapply oh, man. for law school. He well, if he put more effort into you know getting his application and not getting caught murdering, right? And that's would... and that's kind of, that's what you realize throughout it if you know a little bit about him. All of these confusing things of what are you doing? Why are you going to school? Working here and there, all over the place, switching jobs, switching relationships, alongside having this entire other double life. There's another up and down. She's suspicious of him dating somebody else because now he's working further away. They get back together. Quoted in the book, he says to her, being with someone else was the loneliest experience of my life. Where, In the same way where she went on a date with that guy yeah. and he followed her. He went on a date with somebody else and then came back to her saying, yeah. oh, I tried it and it was awful. We need to be together. There's a time where he ran out when they were walking together because there was somebody that was snatching a purse from some woman and he runs after him and stops him in an alleyway saying, oh, I didn't even think if this guy had a gun or had a knife or anything, which is weird knowing who he is, the balance of him caring for her young daughter and being a part of their lives and doing nice things for people 
But she starts to notice here that he is a kleptomaniac and is stealing things. She finds that he's stolen some tools from the hardware store and owns up to it. Oh, wow. There's fancy Christmas stuff that he said he got from his mom, which she knows his family's poor. She's not going to buy him right. these expensive yeah. electronics yeah. and other things in a nice coat. They did not buy you those, did Right. And so this is part of a thing that she knows is an insecurity of his that she's dealing with in their relationship. Yeah. We move on to 1974, and this is in Seattle, and this is where the start of the situations where in January there were two women, one of them was raped and survived, and then another one is missing. And then in February, there was a little girl that went missing. And in June, there was a student from the university that went missing. About one a month oh my gosh. in this time frame up into the summer of 1974. And so... Yeah, I'm looking at the timeline here. March, yeah. April, May, June, July. Right. September. And he skips August. For them. Uh, but yeah, October, July. Yeah. October again. November. I mean, it goes all through 74. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way through. I mean, it's every month, multiple times a month. So in the so in this time, she's worried. Every a lot of women in Seattle are worried because something is happening. Yeah, specifically women, younger, attractive. Hair yeah, with a there's an the MO. They're on the, a, they're on the TVs. A, they're saying that the, like young women. It must have been. I've never I've never been in in a community that is under any kind of any kind of uh, fear like that of just mm-hmm. like young women do not walk out on the streets alone. Everybody go home at night. Like, like I've never, like, I just do not know what it would be like to be in, in that environment. Um, that's just gotta be terrifying. And also interesting from her perspective, because there is somebody who is there who has been kind to her and protecting her and right. being involved in her life. And she feels reasonably secure with, Although their relationship has had their ups and downs, it doesn't seem out of out of the ordinary. It seems like a relationship, yeah. In way, you know, it's just, it's not it's not going to oh, something is wrong with Ted. Mm-hmm. So this is so now it's July nineteen seventy four. This is the turning point of the story for me in the book and for her life. He's going to night school for for law. And applying to these other places, he applies to the place again in Salt Lake City mm-hmm. to start in the fall. But his his schooling sucks. He works two hours away in Olympia, Washington, so they don't see each other as much. Um, they're going to spend the day together one day, but he decides to spend it at this lake. They they continue arguing. She says, "Do you want to hang out with me at this beach, at a different lake?" She ends up going alone, but even though they talk to each other in the morning, and then that night, he contacts her and says, hey, I want to hang out with you. They go and get hamburgers. He's got a cold. He's sick. She takes care of him the next day. And then three days later, there's word, oh, these girls went missing at mm-hmm. this at this lake. Not the one that she was at, but she's a little suspicious because he went to that lake on the 7th. Right. Which is not when the girls the girls went missing on the fourteenth at that lake, but she she's she was wondering why did he go to that lake alone yeah. days before. Then they say that there there were witnesses and suspects and whatever, and there's it was somebody named Ted that yeah, was wearing was, yeah yeah that was wearing nice clothes and needed help putting a sailboat up on their tan Volkswagen, and he's Ted and he has a tan Volkswagen. And so, it says here that he's uh, he lured them by having a, his arm in a sling. Mm-hmm. So then, she talks to Angie because there was a weird situation previously, where he had some plaster of Paris in his drawer, yeah. or something. And she asked him, "Why did you have this?" And he said, "Oh, well, you never know," or some ambiguous excuse. And she said, "Well, that would be a good." way to bludgeon somebody is pretend you have a cast on or pretend your arms in a sling or have some, and that ended up being a a familiar thing that he used was feigning a disability or feigning needing some sort of help. So she ends up calling the police anonymously because there's some things that are adding up there 
and there's a there's a police sketch, and it looks kind of like him. The hairstyle is a little bit different. She doesn't disclose exactly who he is at this point. She asks about the case and whatnot. And because he's left-handed, he puts his watch on his right hand. There was no buddy that said that that was the case. And they described the Volkswagen color as being metallic, and his car was not. Mm-hmm. And so there were certain things that she said, oh, well, that sort of alleviates. I'm not a crazy girlfriend. Right. She goes to see Ted. Nothing's wrong with him. It's all good. He's not acting suspicious in any way. He's just normal old Ted. So she lets puts it on the back burner of her mind. But still, this is haunting her. What is normal old Ted? <laughs> right. It's like, what is... There's no normal. There's, there's no base. Hi! Yeah. No. <laughs> According to her and her life experience. Right, no, I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. Uh, she goes to Salt Lake City to look for an apartment for him because he's going to be going to this school in the fall. She comes back shocked because he's cut his hair mm. very, very short. Mm. And it seems like, like for like, no reason. And like he's like, oh, I just, short. To, I just wanted to cut my hair. Wow. Um, like, like how, like super, super short. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Okay. When yeah, they, that when... didn't, uh, doesn't always, it's not a great look. To abruptly... <laughs> to just come back and, oh, well, you've cut your hair strangely. Oh, you've cut all your hair off. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, I just wanted to. All oh, right. Okay, Britney Spears. Yeah. So this <laughs> so this is bringing in this more, as we're building, bringing in some more suspicions in her life. And I think now that the story is known, she's able to put these in the context of the book, some more suspicions. They mm-hmm. go to a lake to hang out, mm-hmm. business as usual. She thinks he's a bit rough on Tina. Not physically, but just yeah. making a big deal of things that don't need to be made yeah. a big deal of. And she finds a hatchet in his car. He gives an ambiguous excuse for why he has that. Looking back on it, she says he kept his composure with her, never touched her in any way. Only one time when, as a problem, like I said, he had a problem stealing things. Mm-hmm. She accused him of stealing something and knew, and that was one of the fights they had. Only one time did he say, if you say anything, I'll break your effing neck. That was the only thing. Hmm. That's the only overstep of violence at all. That she ever did wow. in their relationship. And that really scared her. She goes back to their apartment, her, his apartment, and sees that he has crutches in his room. And he says, oh, he's holding on to them for something. Again, another excuse. Hmm. But now she's... Sort of putting the pieces I immediately together. Now thought, we know the pieces. He used that. Right. No, I immediately, I'm sorry. As an aside, I immediately, my my mind lit up because I'm like, there's been a pair of crutches in my bathroom for three months and I don't know why. Emily, why? No, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> crutches are, does not mean people are a serial, serial killer. But <laughs> in this case, who knows? He wants her to fill up his car for gas. She is now being even more suspicious, looking at the gas receipts, all the places he's going. He's got a case full of keys. He's got a bunch of canceled checks. But who knows? You know, these these by themselves are not Ted's a serial killer. Right. He just has his own life like she has his own life. They don't see each other for weeks at a time. Who knows? Well, maybe even more of like, Ted, get it together. Yeah. What are you doing? He's working all over the place. He's getting ready for school. They have a going away party around Labor Day. This is uh, 1974, and he's got Fern in the front seat. Off he goes. Now they're in a long-distance relationship because he's going to be in Salt Lake City. She's in Seattle. Mm. So then, Labor Day, he's gone. Now in mid-September, there's bodies found in Salt Lake City. The daughter of the police chief is missing, and, oh they, find some, and they find some bodies in Seattle. They talk about it on the phone. She gets a little creeped out because he asks how many they found, if they found any more, stuff like that. And she's already oh, suspicious. Of, why would you ask? Now that's interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. In how many? I mean, well, are they still, are they look? what, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on in Seattle? They found more? They f- how many? Where? <laughs> uh, I don't know, Ted. Um, How's Salt Lake? Yeah. <laughs> How's law school? So she calls the police again. And at this point, they said, oh, yeah, we already looked into him. Because she gives, this is when she gives his name. My boyfriend's name is Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, we looked into him. He's good. We it's looked into him. Car, wrong car color, ma'am. Yeah, he's fine. Um, but they Ma'am, ha- we're not going to arrest your boyfriend. Please stop asking. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but she, in the book, she says that it's, they ask 
which is weird to her because they haven't had any problems like this, but they ask about sexual deviancy, mm. weird... Well, I mean, the police at this time are just, like, overwhelmed, yeah. overcome with any and all ways that this could go down. They're looking at cult, you know, they're, they're, any any and all avenues. It's mm-hmm. just, there's, it's nothing's leading to anything other than the bare obvious pattern, and it's just like, oh, we don't know. Yeah. She gives them a photo just because, who knows if there's witnesses and things like that, but nobody recognizes the photo. Mm. So, again, another layer of, oh, well, this can't be him. Because we, I talked to the police. They said they already looked into it. I gave them the photo. We went through some stuff. Nothing seems to match up. Cool. Then in November, so that was September. Then in November of 74, there's an abduction of this woman in the shopping mall. And she escapes. Oh. They tried to handcuff whoever it was, tried to handcuff her. And then things went awry. She runs off. There was another disappearance of a woman 20 miles elsewhere. And there was a key there that matched the handcuffs of the woman. So Mm. those two incidents are the same thing. And this is happening in Salt Lake City. At this point, we're getting back into the personal and relationship stuff specific to Liz. She starts drinking a lot because she's so concerned and confused and worried and alone this is where she starts to develop an alcohol That addiction. is very prevalent in the film. That's mm-hmm. a, one of her major character that's, pieces yeah. is that she battles that and has that arc. By that's, what, yeah, yeah. that's what she's using to cope. She's talking to her bishop at her church about it. He says that he'll call the police because she doesn't... She said, I already did it twice. She doesn't want to be insane about it. Right. Ma'am, we're not going to arrest your boyfriend. <laughs> and I can't imagine this is where, I, where the story hit for me is the empathy of what am I what am I doing as mm-hmm. this person who's just had and thinking back it's it's easy to look back if you started the story here she'd look like a mad woman yeah. but you've been in a relationship with this person for multiple multiple years and there's he's a thief sometimes and he has these problems with his family mm-hmm. and everybody has their own insecurities and problems but at this point what are you doing Calling, you know, why are you being yeah, like why, this? Why, and so, why and, and now I'm drinking and knocking on this door. Yeah, what's wrong? You, it sounds like she knows something is wrong. Almost like yeah. yeah, whether she knows, like not not that she knows, but like something is off, and she and she knows it. But there's something nothing, is strange. But, but also personally, she's affected by it because she thinks, well, maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. No man, but is that is all stuff. part of it. The, mm-hmm. Like that is that's part of the manipulation, the game that he has played. It's a cloud that he created for her. She's, mm-hmm. li- I mean, that's yeah. She's not sh- some. I think it's actually quite amazing that against all odds and all proper thought in her mind, she actually did pick up the phone as many times as she did and I do know. it, and still is like pulling the phone away. Like, what am I doing? Uh, but I, I think that is the amazing thing is that like somehow for some reason. She was compelled to do technically now what we know to be the exact right thing. She did the exact right thing. What needed to happen? She had, she had the guy. She's given him to the police because she has a suspicion. But even as she's doing it, she doesn't know and she's not sure. She doesn't even know why she's doing this. But mm-hmm. something is pushing her to do it. And I think that's really compelling. Yeah. And that's why in this book, hearing it from her in the first person is wild because like I said, so she's drinking. She visits Ted in Salt Lake City at the end of the year for the holiday season. It's wonderful. He's making jokes because she's so stressed out. She quotes in the book, he says, it looks like you brought some extra bags, referring to the bags under her eyes (laughs) as opposed to the luggage. But she feels suspicious because they're on some hayride and he's talking to a pretty lady and she imagines that he's a murderer and, oh, this is how they would be suspect you know, how they would be swept away because he is pretty and there's this pretty lady and then they're seeing some teenagers fooling around and he mentions the town. Oh, that guy looks like he'd be the James Dean of Midvale, which is where one of these girls went missing. And then he's got this liqueur that he's like, oh yeah, the old lady downstairs makes this crazy liqueur. You should try some. And she's like, no, because she's concerned that it's certainly some sort of knockout potion. Oh my God. And he's like, oh, you're being weird. And then takes a swig and... So she's like... And it knocks out. <laughs> no, no. Well, he, he says... So she says, and in, in quoted in the book, she says, the problem, as usual, was me. 
which I find fascinating in the first person. And that's all the manip. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it makes me angry. <laughs> it it really. It, mm-hmm. She's not wrong. It's it's. Uh, that your suspicions are right. No, all you're totally right. You're one hundred percent right. Everything in you that is t- making you feel like you're like you don't know what's going on. Listen to the. You know, you're on it. Mm-hmm. You're on it. Yeah. And, and, and when somebody's on that pres- precipice, and and obviously now it's so retroactively, but even but like we now, and that's why we tell stories that to a degree. It's in some aspect. It's like we now we want to change the story. You know, we want mm-hmm. we want something else to happen. But that's what happened. Yeah. She calls the police one more time, this time the Salt Lake City police, because that's where he is. Nothing comes of that. So now it's 1975. He visits her in a surprise. He says he can't connect with people there. It's a poignant moment. Mm. Makes sense to her. He's just moved. Yeah. At this point, as he visits her now in the summer of 75, they have to decide, are they going to marry or are they going to break up? It's gotten to that point in their relationship. He suggests at this point, he said, oh, well, we'll get married around Christmas. We've been back and forth and on and yeah. off in different cities and all over the place. Time to do it. Let's get married around Christmas. August rolls around later in the summer. They argue because he was. she was talking to somebody and his brother got a bicycle and she knows that he didn't pay for it because he's broke and he must have stolen it. And so it blows up and it's over. And they say, well, fine, we're not getting married. But he's pretty cold about it. And Mm. she's surprised. But at the same time, she's also relieved that there's no wedding. And this is really the end. And in the book, it's mutual. And they both say that they'll still love each other. But it's just, we've gone on with this for so long. And it has taken its course. But there's no vitriol or hate or anger on either side. And they continue in a relationship together, but not... As a couple, yeah. and it's just, we had this thing, and we went all the way to maybe we'd get married, and it didn't work out. Mm. At this point, she sees his old landlord at the grocery store in Seattle. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? She says, oh, are you? how are you and Ted doing? Blah, blah, blah. She said, oh, that's interesting. There was a detective over recently uh-huh. at Ted, asking for Ted oh. at the apartment. She said, hmm. Maybe I'll uh, talk to them. (laughs) And uh, apparently Ted was arrested in Utah for the possession of burglary tools. So he had things in his car. What's that? (laughs) The possession of burglary tools. Yeah. When I first read it, I thought, oh, he burgled something. But then I read, oh, no, burglary tools. Right. So she meets with the detective in Seattle. They're coordinating with Utah. And the detective is a woman and shows her the photos of... Things like an ice pick, gloves, rope, a ski mask. Looks more like murder tools than burglary. So they're piecing things together. And they're talking about different things. She's asking about Ted and previous relationships. And do you know this woman named Marcy? And that was the one that he went on the date with and was like, oh, it was the loneliest I've ever felt in my life Mm. from previously in the relationship. Turns out the detective, just as a weird little side note, small world thing the detective was one of the bridesmaids with marcy at a wedding and that was the woman that ted went out with it's like seattle's a small town yeah um but then she's asking about susan which if you remember i mentioned as one of the people that ted said oh yeah let bygones be bygones that happened in san francisco the detective says i'm sorry to tell you this but ted has consistently been in a relationship with her this whole time and they were engaged in the in around Christmas time of 73 and show has a photo of them together. Good uh, Lord. So now this hits Liz of, Oh, well I was right about mm-hmm. the infidelity mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. jealousy and the, this and the, that. And now we know yeah. multiple, mul- yeah. not just Liz and not just Susan, but multiple, multiple women he was going back and forth with all over the place. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that this is happening, they're still sort of, like I said, officially, they're like, oh, we're done after yeah. the marriage okay. thing got done. But after being with somebody for five plus ways. years, yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to invest yeah. in them and care about them. And there's they've written each other letters back and forth. And he says, as long as you told the truth, it will prove me innocent. 
And so she, now, now the, again, the, the guilt and the, the shame is being put on her, even though she yep. didn't explicitly tell him, but she's worried. She's like, oh yeah, I went to the police three times. What, he, now he's going through all this stuff and he's, what if he's innocent? I know that he's innocent. What have I done? So she feels bad because he's fine and good and positive, but he's locked up and I'm out here all stressed, alcoholic, and feel guilty mm -hmm. about what I've done. Mm -hmm. He gets out on bond through something and he shows up for Thanksgiving in Seattle. They go out drinking. At this point, Angie is over it. So they're no longer friends. Mm -hmm. Angie gives mm -hmm. up on her. Right that's, a, that's a moment in the film as well. And mm -hmm. as they follow, um, Liz and she's starting to break down more and more and, and her friend is like gets that point of just like hey something's gonna happen there's this is when it gets into the media spotlight there's so much surveillance she says when they exit the house it sounds like an Indy 500 from all the undercover cop cars that are turning on getting ready to follow them oh my god she finds him in the bedroom calling somebody and says yeah I'll be back soon somebody that he's seeing in, in oh Salt my Lake god. City he apologizes. It's a tumultuous thing. He he has the key to her apartment and tries to get in, but she it got changed from when he wasn't there before, and he breaks the key in the lock. To Liz's apartment? Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, crying outside the door. Some guy comes out the side and says, get the heck out of here. Leave her alone. Ted leaves, and Liz said she kept the broken key on a ring for a long time, just as a memento of yeah. their relationship. So he has to go back to Utah around Christmas time here for the for the court case and it's found out that he was he had been traveling all around in Colorado mm. at this time and this is where a lot of murders happened as well. So she asks him about that and he was saying, "Oh, well well this was in this time where clearly I was doing terrible in school and I had just given up that thing and I was traveling for work and I was embarrassed because I was spending all this money." driving around and traveling around and I didn't want to tell you. And then that makes total sense to her as it made sense to me reading right. the book. You would, you wouldn't want to, you would hide that and you would hide the gas receipts and you wouldn't tell her because you definitely don't have the money for it, but you're living such a terrible life and you want to pretend like you've got it all together to the person you right. care about. Nobody, and nobody has the bird's eye view to be like, well, there's a specific type of pattern that's uh and it happened in And Seattle. all the credit card statements that he has line up with uh, where <laughs> right. he was when women got murdered. Right. <laughs> but she doesn't know about any of this. Yeah. So then in 76, at the start of the year, the trial begins in Salt Lake City. But it's... That ends up becoming the focus of the film largely okay. is it, it just kind of steers into the trial and just the banana show that that was. Right. And interesting because now we're just in the last three chapters of the book. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all of their relationship yeah. and everything see, that they I, went through. But I find myself wishing that I had seen some of these scenes dramatized because that's the stuff where that's the stuff where I go questioning what was real and what like, was. Like, did they have him? And what, you know, like, like did they have him mattered, going back to her and breaking the key in the lock and no, recalcitrant? Yeah. No, not at all. And it's like all that seems really thematically meaty, and I, I, it's kind of I don't know odd that they because they really kind of do head in for the spectacle of the of the trial i guess that's just what people want to see but at the end of the day it's the well, story it's also, there is... are other books written about the trial that's right. why i was fascinated by the right. phantom prince because this is more the five years of their relationship before he was on trial for homicide it ends up becoming more about his his trial and, and i'm i'm finding myself a little bit disappointed in that regard i mean like the movie is is just interesting it's well done but it, it um, like I would go see I would it, be obviously. more we're not yeah go check it out no I mean like there's nothing like uh, and, and it doesn't sound like it's just like false on anything or like mm -hmm. it sounds pretty well and and I must and we should mention uh, I think his name is Joe Berlinger he's the director of the of the Zac Efron film but he's also the director and executive producer of the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix. It's a documentary series that you can go and learn if you want to know more about and the not crimes a dramatized because the one we're talking about is a dramatized. Right. So there's two ones. There's Zac Efron dramatized narrative, like you go to a movie, and then there's the a doc series about the real Ted Bundy. It's a, centered around uh, tapes, live recordings that he gave towards the end of his life about after he was definitely getting the death sentence yeah five and times he was com and he was confessing and all of those types of things so it's a doc about that and they kind of open the whole story for you so if you're if you're fresh to this 
uh, and you are interested in that, that is readily available right there next to uh, the Zac Efron piece. Uh, it's Ted Bundy tapes and God, I don't want to say that title again. What is it? Uh, extremely wicked, <laughs> shockingly evil and vile. I'm glad I don't have to say that to a ticker teller, like uh, like to go up to the movies. <laughs> uh, one for shockingly wicked, shockingly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just like- say Zac Efron. Because <laughs> that's all anybody knows. But it's on Netflix, so you can read the whole title. Yeah, thank God. Go Netflix. You don't have to say it to anybody. <laughs> you don't have to. Evan but, does. Yeah, dude, but I will say the best thing about that being the title and then being like a, a long, a long title. If you're a cinema fan and you like John Malkovich, he plays the judge and he does deliver that as a line. Because that was real uh, life. It's, it's in the trial, absolutely. Uh, and so you get to hear John Malkovich in his John Malkovich way because he doesn't take it as the he, he does his own interpretation, which he does say what is in the transcripts, but it's John Malkovich, and so it's. Mm-hmm actorly but you get to hear him say that <laughs> and the so title. i was like thank god and it's like in a close-up too i'm like thank god <laughs> i love when the title of the thing is in the, in thing. the movie yeah i know i know it seems like I, I do too it seems so rare these days so like when they, they just have him in a close-up going <laughs> shockingly you know like and i'm yeah. just like this is it this is the movie this is why this is what this. i paid yeah. my netflix <laughs> subscription for so he's the judge the trial begins. It's just for the attempted kidnapping, though. It's not connected to the homicide elsewhere just yet. And it's just the judge. It's just John Malkovich, which was Ted Bundy's request, because now it's been so heavily publicized, he thinks the jury is going to be tainted by right. media. So he just wants one judge. He lists Kim as his girlfriend, which is the woman that he had called and said, oh, I'll be back soon. Mm. Doesn't list Liz as his girlfriend. Um, the double life doesn't, in this term, doesn't come up as far as I as I can remember either. Yeah. There is no other woman, other girlfriend. Yeah. And Ted wants Liz there with, he explains that situation, and he wants her there in Salt Lake City for the trial, but she's worried that if she is there, then they, because she's not listed as the girlfriend, then she can be used as a witness. Yeah. You know? Because if, if she was the girlfriend, it's like, well, then you're too close to the source. Your Your witness testimony is invalid. Right. So she doesn't show up for the case, but then shows up because it, the judge is taking the weekend to decide what happens. In this weekend, I was very moved because he cries in the morning. They're just basically spending this haunted weekend together. The banality of them getting groceries is just tainted with, what is this thing going to be? And she's realizing, I don't want him to be found guilty. Right. But I've put in all this stuff, and now they know that I've called the police, and I've said his name, and he gets the sentence. Or or they 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 figure they say he's guilty. They haven't, got, they haven't done the sentencing, I'm sorry. Mm, okay. He's guilty. And she says they were taking him because of all the garbage yeah. I'd said. Yeah. Um, and he was that a dead is very man. Much he in looked the movie she's completely feeling. shocked. It took him so hard, and... There's going to be a 90-day psych evaluation before the sentencing, and he's very confident that he can get out of that, and it's going to be proven because he's not a crazy person. So, Except he doesn't because he is. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> um, but he's very encouraging about her doing other stuff with other people. Mm-hmm. She's now in therapy. She decides to go to these AA meetings, but she's embarrassed to tell him. But in the letters back and forth, he's very encouraging. Do it. Please go get a spot. Like, work on yourself. There's excerpts of their letters about their love for each other in the in the book. It's very touching. Hmm. And also, like, you think about it from her perspective. Here's this guy who went to jail or is, in you know, getting some psych evaluation. Hasn't gone to jail yet, but is sentenced for this thing. Maybe he's a bad guy. But also, he's writing you back and forth. He's encouraging you. You should be encouraging him. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's all about you pursuing your own life, doing your thing. Hmm. Again, the push, the pull, yeah. the tension, the lies, the betrayal, and then the resolution. He gets a one to five year sentence after the psych evaluation. They can't figure him out in the psych evaluation because <laughs> technically he's fine, but also something is off. Also, everyone in the room is like, yeah, something's weird. Yep. But technically yep, you yep. passed, but also. Also, you didn't pass. We're not letting you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically um, we passed, but that's not a pass. <laughs> Right. So now he's in jail for one, for, for, I don't, I, I'm not going to lie and say, I, I wrote down one to five years, but it might've been something else, but he's in jail for a set amount of time. Fact checkers. Yeah. 
he lists, so you're only allowed to list one unmarried female to visit you in prison. He lists Kim hmm. in Salt Lake City. So now Liz has a hell of a time trying to visit him, but she's able to work her way around and... Well, why doesn't she... Why doesn't she go, well, maybe I sh Like, there's a, the other woman. Does she not know? I'm confused. I think, like I said, it's the, it's the up and down of their relationship. And technically, because mm -hmm. he said, yeah, do your other thing. And he, she's doing her thing and he's doing his gotcha, thing. And they're yeah. in, but they're gotcha, also writing yeah, letters yeah. back and forth. And they're in prison. They're, they're reading the same book together and writing about how they feel about it. They're still involved. It's, it's like yeah. anything. The, the classic, it's complicated. It is very yeah. complicated. Um, but she's able to talk to him in prison and he asks who she's going out with. You know, okay, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. they're, they're at that stage, but they still have this underlying current of cool. we spent years together. Yeah. They both cry with each other. He mentions kind of an escape situation. She says, I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> you know, don't get me involved Please in any don't. of this other stuff. She goes to the, to the mall, the scene of the crime where it happened at the mall. And tries to imagine oh, really? whether he could do oh, this. See, now that would have been a cool scene. Uh, Trying to put herself in the sh in the place, in the mm -hmm. shoes, in the moment. She went, yeah, it in Salt Lake City. Here. Was it him? Was he, he? You know, like all the, you know, like is was it? That would have that could have been a really eerie mm -hmm. moment, and they don't they don't. And it happened. It. She freaks out in that moment and just says, "I I want." A drink so bad, but now she's been sober. So she goes in Salt Lake City to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and then she says, "I don't have the strength to go back and see Ted after I this because she's because she's there for the whole week." But then she never she doesn't go back to see him in prison, and she just goes back to Seattle. In October, he's charged with the murder of a call of a girl in Colorado at a ski lodge. Right. She remembers. Oh, one time he came back with this brochure from Colorado, from a ski lodge. Why in the world did he show me that? Mm -hmm. Now it's 77. It's been a year of her being sober, and the Colorado trial hasn't happened yet. Out of the blue, Ben from high school. Oh, wow. The guy that she met long ago, not the one that she had Tina with, but even before that. And he was married and now has kids and now is divorced and she's trying to move on from all this Ted business. Hmm. So she goes out with Ben for a little bit. And in this time, Ted has escaped from the Colorado <laughs> situation. He's missing for six days. And then they find him in the Rockies. I, I, I have to say, I want to reiterate, I hate the, turning these people into any kind of star or anything. Mm -hmm. Well, those were some brazen escape attempts, and they yeah. do illustrate those in the film pretty accurately. Um, pretty insane. Like, it's the cartoon version the of what you would imagine escaping prison was like, except yeah. he just did it, man. He just, like, he jumped the out of, He jumped out of a second-story window and boom. broke his... Yeah. Yeah. It was madness. At this point... And, and, and two of them. Two, two full-fledged escape attempts. So this is escape like number one. Cartoonish. Yeah, this is escape number one before he's in prison. At this time... I mean, I can't imagine. Like, here's this person that you had been in a relationship with. You're going through all this stuff. And maybe he's guilty, whatever. They found this thing. Now he's tried for another thing in Colorado. How could you constantly just be able to accept more and more sides of this person? It's like you keep, like, you think it's a square, and then it's an octagon, and then it's a hexagon, and it's, it's just, oh, oh my god. It's just time and knowing somebody, yeah. I think. Except it's all a manipulation and fake. Like, I, I buy less, I buy less into the actual legitimacy of the relationship from mm -hmm. Ted Bund Bundy's point of view. It seems like to me, personally, that he is... Uh, because things are Kim, going south and he's holding on right. to any any tie, any body, anybody that can help him in any way at all. Anybody that is friendly to him, he needs to keep in the fold. He has mm -hmm. to. He has to keep up this veil of manipulation. Well, and because Kim in Salt Lake City is probably feeling the same thing when he moved there to go to law school, quote unquote. Mm. You know, having Kim, a book written by Kim would probably be very similar. Yeah, that would be so fascinating. So what's happening with this relationship is Ben jilts her. They're not going to get married, but they, 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 he ends it. And so in their letters, Ted is, Ted understands, wants her happiness, wants her yeah. to be with somebody. It's, 
Good Lord. Why wouldn't, why, I mean, why wouldn't you still be endeared to this yeah. guy? Because yeah, yeah. you were like, okay, well, now I'm done with this guy. Oh, here's Ben, my old flame from high school. Now Ben doesn't want me, and now Ted is comforting me via these letters. And I think I'm crazy. And here he is just trying to make his own way in the world. You begin to, I mean, it's it's yeah. madness, but you, it, it, like, the book does such a good job of being like, well, I get then why he, why Ted would try to escape, because now I know him. Well, it's the same thing with, like, the Leaving Neverland mothers. That was the whole thing of, like, uh, how could you allow something like that to happen? And it's like, well, it just kind of just one thing leads to another, and it happens before you even realize it stepped over a boundary. And by mm -hmm. the time you realize you're over that boundary, it is way in the mirror. You want to believe the best in people, you listen to people, and you allow people to recontextualize themselves all the time without even realizing it. And it, you can be manipulated, and you can just fall into these things Yeah, all the time. And I don't know, we're, we're kind of in the end game here with this story. We're the in the book. end game here. But, uh, there we are, I'm with the plug. The... We're, we're, we're relevant. <laughs> we are so relevant. Just to tie up the story, now that Ben is gone and Ted is concerned with her happiness, she makes amends with Angie. She starts to see the writing on the wall. This is the turning point where she's saying, now I'm getting to be done with Ted yeah, here. Yeah. He's in Colorado on a second trial. I'm not going to go visit him. I'm making my own way. Angie becomes her friend again. Thank God. That is in the film, that whole, yeah. whole storyline there. Uh, she meets this guy, Hank, through the Alcoholics Anonymous thing. She learns, this is just a piece in the book, but she learns that some woman visited him in Colorado. She doesn't care about that. There's a final phone call between them before his Colorado hearing. He says he's going to hear, this is, you know, this is the last time that they'll hear yeah. each other's voices. And then he escapes on New Year's Eve from prison. Through the ceiling. Through the ceiling. There was a hole in the ceiling. He, classic, went through the ducts. And now he's on the loose. This is where I do take issue in because, like, as as brazen and as interesting as those escapes are, it's like I oh God, it, we oh, I don't I I have a little bit of an issue. Just like he's not cool, and right. this the, is not a cinematically those moments are built no. around being like, look how crafty he is, and it's just like ah, should we should we be saying that? Yeah, should we be saying that? But at the very same time. I'm, I mean, that's why they put it in the movie, because I, as an audience member, go like, oh, my God, these escapes, these successful escapes yeah. are interesting. They are. But I don't know. Maybe you can season it or pepper it. I don't know. That's just a me thing. Yeah, she doesn't go into it that much. She just says, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no. I mean, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be there. But, but um, and she's just seeing, she it, in the know. She's she just seeing know. it in the news like yeah. everybody else. Yeah. And at this point, she's completely done. She hears about the murders at Florida State University and oh that's ted i have to say know? on a comment on the crimes that is the one that that i th that kind of like is the most horrific to me yeah that's that spree is... and that's where they got him yeah so he calls her in february and says he was caught he made a deal with the police he was able to make some phone calls this is where it all comes out because there's nowhere else to go he says oh. i'm sorry i'm very sick and breaks down to her in this phone call after he's caught by the police. Mm. And it all, all the all the dirty laundry gets aired out between them mm. at this point. She says, did you ever want to kill me? Mm -hmm. And he, sa he admits it. He says there was one time, I don't know if you remember, you were drunk. We had a bad night. I left. I closed the fireplace, flew. I put a towel under your door. I smoked out the house. She was able to escape because she woke up coughing. And ran out and opened the fireplace thing. But she was drunk, so she doesn't really remember what was going on. But he never set a hand on her. But there was that one time where that urge overcame him. He describes it as a force that would consume him. He didn't want to follow these women. He didn't want to do this stuff. But it overtook him. And at the end of he this... referred to it as the entity. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, she says, I didn't understand Ted Bundy and I never will. No. She never had that connection with him. She says she doesn't understand... Ted Bundy's desire to do any of this, but uh, she does understand the idea of compulsive action and how she was able to break free from the alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And so she relates to it on that level. Um, the last contact they had was he called in May 
about some new developments in the case or something like that, but she was done. She said, this is this yeah. is the final straw. That conversation, um, did you ever want to do it to me, is the crown jewel of the film. That's kind of the everything that it leads up to is he's been trying to get in contact with her for much of the second half of the film and, and, and it doesn't happen. And then she finally does show up and has that exact conversation. Mm-hmm. But he de- they actually don't go into that story at all, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's hinted at just in, in just a, a reaction from him. But... Um, but yeah, that, um, definitely was, is the crown jewel of the film. Yeah. Where you're talking about other women being involved, Carol was this woman that he met in Colorado at one point during the trial. And that's who he marries during the trial in Florida. Um, who, again, another woman that he was being involved with somehow. Yeah. And... Uh, at just the the very, very end of the book, she kind of summarizes her whole take on things. She says, from all of this, it definitely gave her a grim view of human beings. That's how yeah. she sees things now, Yeah, as you probably would. Yeah. She says, in the media, she wanted to set the record straight because people were accusing her jealousy of being the cause of her reaching out to the police and these other things that happened that she became the reason that he was found out because she gave his name to the mm-hmm. cops and then they started looking into it. That's patently false because they were already looking into things mm-hmm. when she called the second time and gave the name. They're on it. But she was saying his inconsistent treatment of me did fuel my jealousy. That was a big mm-hmm. part of our relationship. Yeah. And now I see where that inconsistent treatment was coming from that created the push and pull was from the thousand of other web strands of his life that were being projected in all directions. This was bizarre to me, the very last line of the book, which I'll read verbatim, was, he loved life and enjoyed it to the fullest. The tragedy is that this warm and loving man is driven to kill. And so we were talking about the manipulation of a person, and to have that be the last line of the book maybe brings to me after reading the whole thing, a maturity to everything, because how could you just completely shift your mindset to, Oh, this man was a monster in her life. Because you experienced a lot of good things in your life. He wasn't a monster. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a tragedy and that's how she describes it. And from what you saw, he enjoyed life. And I mean, well, it's also what the judge iterates too at the at the, uh, at the end of the trial when the, when it finally comes down um, that he, he's just like you know in another life I would have loved to have had you as a lawyer on my team you know but that's just not the one you chose and and how could you understand this affliction yeah. or this entity or any of that stuff? You could you could have done anything. Yeah. Anything else? Maybe just as a tidbit, Elizabeth, uh, just living a normal life in Seattle now. Her kid's grown up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but that's all the information that anybody has or needs to know about yeah, what she's really, doing. Honestly, yeah. Would a lot like, to think about. Yeah. This is really interesting stuff. And, yeah. But the thing that I, I think is most relevant to this story and specifically her point of view is the manipulation and emotional abuse because these what's happened to her will cause scars that will be there until the day she dies um and this is an extreme case this is wild um this is beyond anybody's wildest imagination that you could be in this situation but it echoes true for on lower levels just how emotional abuse can work Um, or smaller troubles that people have absolutely absolutely um, and not that you have to write a book about it, but no. I think it's fascinating to have her perspective on it on the page. And at the end, what she says about she has put and people have to put a end to yeah. their stake in the matter. She says, yeah. I have a grimmer view of human beings, rightly so. And he lived life to the fullest, but it's a tragedy that he did all this stuff. But I met him and I knew him. And that's it. And a lot of times, that's it's all. It's nice that she has that. I like what we were talking about earlier, the, that arm's distance from it. 
maybe by writing some of these things, maybe, and now in the, in the social climate that we're in, some of these things could be lit. Maybe the book now will bring it into popular foresight and somebody can actually go and look at these things and, yeah. and understand a little bit more of what it's like to be manipulated. Um, because it's not like everything that came out of his mouth was a lie, even far from it. But that doesn't mean that it adds up to the truth. Yeah. Um, and when your perception of reality is, is bent around what somebody's offering you, it's, you, you only can go off of what you have in front of you. It's, yeah. It's a, That's it's why a I was so much more line. interested in this story versus taking the story from a different angle. Because when we looked at this, we said, oh, well, what could we read? Because this Netflix thing is coming out and it's going to be in the public eye and it's coming back into the forefront of But we don't want to do Ted Bundy. We're not interested in the crimes uh, themselves. Yeah. So it was... And it's a, it's, a, it's a concept to be considered. What is this other angle you can take from it? Right. What is, what is the, the personal angle from somebody who's affected by something? But that's more that's more what I'm interested in. Yeah, me too. And I hope you're more interested in it too. Yeah. I know this week wasn't as uh maybe as much uplifting and fun, but uh I think it was certainly really interesting stuff. This is the book made me suspicious of, of people. Yeah, it was like it was not a it was I I texted Evan after I read it. I said I read the book. I feel odd. <laughs> It's, so if you want to feel that way this week, go check out any of the media involved. Yeah, ton, like we said, tons of that stuff out there. Uh, the Netflix stuff is great, but there's plenty beyond that if you're interested in these in these stories. Uh, if you want to find this text to get creative, it's out there. Spend four hundred dollars on Amazon, or, two, or yeah, two thousand. Frame it and put it on. The wall. I wonder if it's signed by her or something. I didn't see that. I didn't say it was though. Her fake name. Signed. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be. Evan, what's our announcement? My announcement. Everybody, if you're enjoying us, if you if you like us, reach out to somebody. Let them know about us. Talk to them about something interesting that you learned on one of our episodes. That would really help out a lot. That would be that would be more than anything you could ever do is just being like, bring up something interesting to somebody and say where you learned. All right. And then it. let us know. Let us. That's. Let us know if you did that. Maybe we'll send you something. A little surprise mystery. Yeah, if we hear from you, we might send you a book. Let us know. Maybe mystery, mystery surprise, mystery gift, maybe coming your way. That's it. We'll see you all next week. Next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.